0: well hi there and welcome to unshaken i'm your host julie van warmer thanks for joining us for today's episode the unshaken podcast's purpose is to glorify god through regularly recorded podcast episodes aimed towards women and we want these to promote the truth of god's word as all sufficient and support the belief statements of the women of the word ministry of christ the word church hey our mission is to inform you on topics of importance to women to encourage you as a woman in your everyday life, and to challenge you to live for Christ. And I love podcasts because this is a unique avenue that we can get these truths into your homes, your cars, your headphones, like wherever you listen. Um, Also, the podcasts are a mixture of personal interviews, which we have one today. And sometimes we do recorded teaching events and maybe even some current event discussion here and there. Hey, take a moment to head over to your favorite podcast directory like Apple Podcast, Google Podcast and subscribe to our podcast. We are even on Spotify. It helps us out and it also helps you out because you get notifications of new episodes that drop. New episodes drop each and every Thursday. Uh, this year we are doing an episode every single week, which is really exciting. And uh, you can the amazing part about podcasts, you can start and stop them. So I love that because sometimes I get interrupted. So when I'm listening, I can stop and go right back to it. I did want to mention to you um, that we have put all of our socials underneath the Women of the Word CTW. It is the umbrella ministry. Um, It oversees all of our ministries at Christ the Word Church, and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. You can head over to those accounts and follow them, and that way you'll get information about all of our ministries, and this includes our mom-to-mom ministry that's aimed towards mothering, a fabulous ministry that happens. They have wonderful content. Um, we have our ministry that's called Regarding Him, Con- which is our conference, and that's held in March, and we highlight a lot of those talks, but there's a lot of good things we'll be sharing there. We have our Planted blog, which comes out each Tuesday, and is full of great encouragement on important topics for women, so join our socials on Instagram and Facebook at Women of the Word CTW. All right, today's episode is actually one woman's journey. I love stories. We're going to actually walk through her entire timeline i love it and we're going to look at how god has been working i think it's great to do this i'm really excited to introduce you to my friend julie morgan if you've been listening for a while you have actually already heard her on the podcast as we have listened to a few of her talks that she's given um, at our regarding him conference But today we're actually going to talk through her journey. Uh, She's going to tell us a little bit about her life and how God has walked her through
1: each and every day. So welcome, Julie. Welcome to you as well. I feel like we should mention that we were both born in the 70s, have curly hair, (laughs) are on the tall side, wear glasses, and both rock the name Julie. I know, I think we were we're sisters from different mothers,
0: right? (laughs) Yes, for sure. (laughs) And we're sisters in Christ, so that counts. Okay, I always ask a few quirky questions At the beginning of every episode so i'm going to for you too and i'm looking forward to your quirky answers okay (laughs) okay what is one of the favorite things that you love to do with your family and then maybe since i'm talking about your family tell us a little bit about your family
1: all right well i've been married to my husband darren for about 22 years and he has a full head of gray hair for about the last 16 of those years. <laughs> I relate. I can relate. <laughs> you can. I however have very no, little. None. I don't understand this. I, it's okay. very weird. I have five living children ranging in the age from 8 to 17, three girls and two boys plus one beautiful daughter in heaven. Mm. My oldest daughter always hates when I ask her for her favorite because she says it's too much pressure to say just one thing. I I relate to that, too. (laughs) She just can't handle it. So I say, okay, tell me some of your favorites. So I'll give you some of my favorites from fall. Hiking in the woods, especially in northern Michigan. That's my happy place. Apple picking, hot cocoa drinking and curling up by the fire in our family room to watch a movie with my family.
0: I'm going to join your family. I I like those things a lot. Okay, so today we're actually gonna walk through your journey, Julie. Sort of like we're walking alongside of you on your timeline of your life. Now, recently my son had to make a timeline of his entire life, his whole 10 years, (laughs) uh, for a school assignment. He made me laugh because he said, I don't remember everything in my life. I mean, I don't even have 10 major events. I'm not even sure what I know a major event is, he said. Um, But once we began putting it on paper, it was actually easy to realize what the major events were. He had to put some on that were in the world, um, which was a great conversation. And he had to put some on specifically for his life. So Julie, we're going to kind of make a timeline. And you're a little older than 10. Yes. So it's going to have a few more events. So let's go all (laughs) the way back, Julie, to your childhood, where you grew up, who you lived with,
1: how you lived your life until you graduated from high school. Yes, I have more than 10 events. (laughs) Well, I grew up in the Northwest suburbs of Detroit and I lived with my mom and my dad and my older brother and my lovely dog Cujo. My parents were both very hard workers and tried to raise us to be good people. They expected my brother and I to get good grades, be involved in extracurricular activities and do chores around the house my dad even got us a vacuum cleaner one christmas so that we could clean the cars easier a present my brother and i both were convinced was going to be an atari so i'm clearly dating myself now yeah but man we were so disappointed to find out that our beloved atari was actually a portable vacuum cleaner my my. dad laughed his head off oh my Uh,
0: i guess that's a good example that we should not you know be too expectant of our (laughs) gifts like try to figure them
1: out right It was. It was funny. He did buy us an Apple IIe the next year, so we were the first people in our neighborhood to have one. Okay, he was redeemed. (laughs) He was redeemed, so there you go. But during my growing up years, I really thought my dad could fix anything. He was off working on some project around the house and has an amazing amount of tools um, in his basement shop room. My mom also was doing projects around the house. She reupholstered a sofa and chairs that she picked out of the trash, much to my brother and I's utter embarrassment. Oh my. (laughs) We were so embarrassed. But humorously, I had those chairs in my first apartment when I graduated from college. So she did a great job reupholstering them. All right, good. When I was in high school, my brother and I desperately, desperately wanted a dog, and we hadn't been able to have one because my brother had horrible allergies as a child. My dad, also massive dog lover, but my mom, not so much. I'm not a dog lover. I'm sorry to all the listeners who are. My mom really did believe in hard work and working towards a goal and that it was a good life lesson. So she said we could get a dog if we removed the shag carpeting out of our family room and purchased the dog herself. Oh, don't think she thought through these very well, because my dad, my brother, and I had the carpet out the very next day. Oh, and my. I already had the money saved up for a dog outside. So soon enough, our lovely little Shih Tzu Kujo came to live with us much sooner than my okay. mom intended. Before we go on, what's the name Kujo from? Um, like the horror movie? That's what I was wondering. Okay. <laughs> so I bought the dog, but my brother got to name it. Okay. Which, not totally fair, but that's how it works. Okay, wow. Okay, <laughs> so, yes. good.
0: Kujo was probably much nicer.
1: Fierce. Fierce name, tiny yes. fluffy, yes, fluffy That's puppy perfect. dog. Yeah. Okay, so um, yeah, keep going. I stopped you. Keep telling me more about your life. So I was pretty involved in high school with a bunch of different things and maintained a really good grade point average. I was a good kid most of the time, and that mixed with my high GPA meant that the times I wasn't a good kid, I didn't get caught, or <laughs> I didn't really get punished if I did get caught. Ah. My brother may or may not have gotten in trouble for things I did as a kid because it was assumed he was the likely culprit. Okay, that's probably true in a lot of families, I have (laughs) to say. And I'm sorry, Jim. (laughs) Overall, I would say that my parents instilled a good work ethic in both my brother and I. They taught us the importance of contributing to the community and gave me the confidence to try home repairs because I saw them do all sorts of crazy things. And YouTube videos are like the nicest way. I know. Well, that's how I learned how to make a podcast, was
0: watching a YouTube (laughs) video, actually. And I learned how to change the clock in my car because of a YouTube video. Yes, don't you think that should be easier? I know. I don't know why it isn't. (laughs) I don't either.
1: Okay, so did you go to church during this time? Would you have called yourself a Christian growing up? I would not have. We did go to church right around the corner from us every Sunday. I memorized Psalm 23 in second grade, which is funny because that's what my youngest one is doing right now. Oh. And so, anyway, I read Psalm 23, and you would do that as a way to get your Bible in the church I went to. I was confirmed at the age of 13. I played the handbells in the church choir, which I still really just enjoy them. But I wouldn't have said that Jesus made much of an effect on my daily life. We went to church because it's what good people did. Hmm. I don't think I could have told you what the good news of the Bible was, even though we went to church often. Hmm. It just hadn't sunk into my heart. So I would not say I was a Christian at that point in my life. That sounds a little bit like my
0: mom's uh, testimony or her story. She always says that she missed the six inches. She had a lot of head knowledge, but it was when it moved from the six inches from her head to her heart that she understood it for the first time. Yeah. And so actually all that head knowledge helped her when she actually, God changed her heart. But that sounds a lot like what you've experienced. Yes. Okay, what about college? Uh, Tell me a little bit about what happened during that time.
1: So I went to the University of Pennsylvania out in Philadelphia, which is Ben Franklin's university. So really old, beautiful campus, I loved it. I was working towards a double major in nursing and business management. So I studied hard Monday through Thursday and then overly enjoyed the parties available at college on weekends. I like the word overly enjoyed. Well, okay. it was purposeful. Yeah, overly enjoyed. Yes. Um, I extended a Bible study at my dorm and I remember the leader asking me why I came because it didn't seem like I lived my life according ah. to the Bible. He was right, but I mean, man, he was bold. Yes. I was just curious. My roommate was the first person my age I met who really knew the Bible and mm. lived it. She loved Jesus and had lots of love for me, even though I was not exactly an ideal roommate. It was pretty selfish. <laughs> she and I would have discussions about, all, about God all the time, and she asked me a lot of questions. Her questions made me realize I had no idea what was really in the Bible or what I believed, so I started to read the Bible myself. Hmm. She also listened to a lot of Christian music, and some of it got stuck in my head, even though I really disliked the music. <laughs> I, Sometimes I think the more annoying a song yes. is to you, the more it gets stuck in your head, like yeah. Baby Shark. Well, and that's also why commercials, jingles, oh, stick in your
0: head. It is yeah. totally, yeah.
1: So anyway, I would walk around campus and hear the word, Opened up the Bible and I read about me. Oh yeah, me. Stephen Curtis Chapman. Yes, I remember. Uh, yes, so, said in better center and God's grace had set mm. me free. And so I think it's called Gather Up Your Horses, is that the song? Um. Yeah, The Great Adventure. Oh, this is The Great, great Adventure, adventure. Yep. right, yes, okay. So... Song drove me nuts, but I also didn't understand the, the lyrics. I wasn't a sinner. Sinners were horrible people, not everyday people. Mm. I was a good person who occasionally did things that were foolish, uninformed, or an episode of useful frivolity. <laughs> My roommate explained to the, the words to me for the first time. I began to understand that everything I did that wasn't honoring to God was sin. Mm. Did I seek to get good grades to honor God? No. I sought them for... The accolades. Mm -hmm. Did I love others and treat them as I would like to be treated? Absolutely not. Remember, I said I was not the greatest roommate. (laughs) I only did, I only treated people well when it was mutually beneficial to me. And then there were the more obvious sins that I justified as no big deal because everybody else was doing it. Taking a bathroom break during a test so you could look up an answer you couldn't remember. Underage drinking. Stealing food from the cafeteria so I wouldn't have to pay for a snack later on. And snack later on, that's like 2 a.m. when I was hungry. Okay. (laughs) Right. Right. So I came to understand that my heart Mm. was filthy and very self-serving. I did what was right in my own eyes and not what was right before God. As I left home that summer, my roommate gave me a book called More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell and asked me to read it. I loved to read. I read all sorts of books. and I had no big plans for that summer, so I read the Bible and the Josh McDowell book. At the end of the book, it talked about how the author realized he was a sinner, and that was right where I was. Hmm. I knew for the first time that I was a sinner, that I didn't deserve the love of a holy God. He proceeded to write that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for those sins, my sins. Hmm. I began to understand that Jesus' death on the cross was personal. When he was nailed to the cross, my sins were placed on him, my sins, my own. Hmm. When he died, my sinful debt was paid for. After three days when he rose again and conquered death, that was for me as well.
2: Hmm.
1: By believing in Jesus and trusting in his death and resurrection, my sins were paid for and I was made right before God. I would have my dirty, sinful heart made new. My eyes were open to the truth, and that summer I put my trust in the Lord. Wow. And my life, man, immediately changed. I bet. Immediately. I broke up with my boyfriend, which, by the way, flew out from California to see me, and I broke up with him. Yeah, ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was interesting. I stopped drinking. I read the Bible and prayed. I stopped swearing as much. I had joy and love that I had never knew before. I became actively involved in a campus ministry and attended a couple of Bible studies. My new roommates, all of who were non-Christians, thought I went nuts, (laughs) but we still had a good year together. I look back now and see how God was working in my life even before I was seeking them. I know now that during that time, my faithful aunt had been praying for me. She prayed specifically that God would give me a Christian roommate that would share the good news for me. God was faithful to her prayers and worked miracles of spiritual doer in my heart, which I think she doubted would ever happen. Mm. But I praise God for the blessings that she has been and continues to be in my life because she's still a faithful part of my life. Okay,
0: so Julie, a couple things about what you just shared with me. I love the story about your roommate's faithful persistence. Yes. I love that. You know we have friends in our lives, all of us do, that are non-believers. And your roommate didn't become didn't sound like she became disgusted with you or irritated with you. She just talked to you. Yes, I love that. That's a great
1: lesson. And I love the prayers of your aunt. I yeah, she prayed for me for years. I remember calling her and telling her that I had become a Christian, and it was a beautiful phone call.
0: I'm sure it was because when you're praying for an unsafe loved one, you can't see the things God's doing to draw them to himself. You know, like what's John Piper's quote? God is doing 3,000 or 3 million things for us all the time and we only see three of them. And sometimes that's just the way it is. So I guess that's an encouragement to keep praying for our unsaved loved ones. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Now, I know you mentioned early on that you have a husband and some children. So, how do they fit in and where did you meet Darren in this? Was he in college with you? No, I
1: actually met Darren after college, but we were both involved in the same college ministry just at different universities. But I met him after college. We both moved and I met him at a very large church outside of Ann Arbor, um, Michigan. Okay. Go blue. All right. (laughs) Got to get that in there. I got to get that in there. (laughs) Sorry. He sat beside me and um, at that turnaround, those really, really awkward parts of the service where you're supposed to like turn around and greet someone, which I really don't, I find really awkward. Anyways, two of my friends turned around and struck up a conversation with him. They insist to this day that when I turned around, I said, hello, (laughs) but I did not. I did not. (laughs) It turned out that he was, (laughs) they still tease me about it. It turned out he was involved in that same ministry at a different college, and we had a bunch of mutual friends. and He ended up moving into the same townhouse complex I lived in with oh. my roommate's boyfriend. So, like, okay. my, it was my roommate and I, and my roommate's boyfriend. Yeah. And I How in... convenient. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Talking about
1: God working all those yes, things out. And, yes. Yeah. So, even so, a month into it, I got into a car accident and did $8,000 of damage to Ouch. my car. And it was <clears> my <throat> fault. It was, yeah. But. I needed to get rides to church a lot while my car was getting fixed. And Darren happened to be the one with the free time to drive me and he lived right there. So we spent a lot of time driving back and forth to church, which was like 30 minutes away into singles events. And that really allowed for us for time to get to know each other. Nice. Yeah, so that car accident, 100% worth every <laughs> cent. And we were married about a year after I first said hello or hello as yes. my friends right. insist. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, so that's an
0: interesting story. I'm thankful that you got in a car accident too.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it really did, it worked out well for me. So <laughs> we were married about five years before we had any kids. Funny thing is we actually had a hard time getting pregnant with our first one. And then mm-hmm. after that, it was like the floodgates opened. So I yes. had Eliana and then um, she was born and then well, I don't know how many years later and the last one's born and I had six kids in nine years. Yes,
0: very short amount of time. Yeah. Well. I'm thankful for them. I and am that's too. a great part of your story to hear how God worked, even through something tough like a car accident. Yeah. But I have a feeling we'll hear a little bit more about tough things. So, yes. what about your early mothering years? What were they like? And were there any significant
1: situations? Yeah, I have lots of significant and situations. I was going to say, <laughs> okay, it's funny you ask that now because I just celebrated my eldest 17th birthday. I read to her out of Lamentations 3, where Jeremiah talks about the difficulties he is going through. But then he says, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, This I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses never cease. They are mm. new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Which is Amen. a hand, right? Yeah. I recounted to her how she was awful as a little baby. <laughs> Absolutely Awful. She cried and cried and cried no matter what we did for her those first five weeks. Oh, now wow. In her defense, she was born a little early because I have a clotting disorder, and I think it was a baby a little too, too early. early, but she just, she could not soothe herself, and so there was just nothing we could do to help her. We tried um, skin to skin and holding her, and then she didn't really like All to be helped. Yeah, everything we could come up with. So... The one thing I could do is I would sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness, Mm -hmm. louder than she was crying. Okay. so it it works. (laughs) It it did. And I just mixed my tears with her. I There was nothing we could really do, but God was faithful. She learned how to nurse and how to sleep and became a delightful person to be around. But man, those first five weeks of motherhood were rough.
0: Yeah, I, I actually have some similar experiences in my life, and I have to say, I think that I actually think God allows those things or directs those things to happen because they really change us yes. as mothers. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a, I, I know you and I, we are both like can-do kind of people. We just go do stuff. Like we can just get it done. Yes. But it doesn't always work like that. No. And
1: you can't. There's no immediate fix <laughs> for yeah. that one. There's yes. a lot of prayers and time and. Yes. You just have to be patient. I'm not so good yeah. at being patient. Me either. But then after Ellie was born, um, about 16 months later, I had my second daughter, Abby, and Abby was an entirely different child. She was happy, and she slept 12 hours through the night when she was eight weeks old. I mean, she was like the easiest. Well, I've had two really easy babies, and she was one of them. Oh, wow. But having two kiddos that close together wasn't easy. Eliana and Abby absolutely adored each other, and I really enjoyed both of them about the time abby turned eight i noticed some odd bumps on her head at first i thought they were spider bumps because i'm it's you know get bit the night i don't know sure maybe but they kept getting bigger and then there was more of them and then mm. she kept getting ear infections and even then she wasn't super crabby but she kept getting ear infections and so much snot mm. so much snot. so i took her to multiple doctors to figure it out and long story we actually ended up having the head on her the bump on her head biopsy and then tubes put in her ears because she had multiple ear infections so the ear surgery itself no complications went smooth they drew blood for me during the surgery um, Afterwards, however, she couldn't keep her oxygen level up after anesthesia. I have to comment that you're a nurse. I was, so yeah, I was about to say this all, is gonna <laughs>
0: all these things. I I wouldn't pay attention to all the medical parts
1: of this, but I just <laughs> want to make sure our listeners know. So okay. yes, and so that news, that nurse part of me, my nurse brain, I never can really get, get out of it. Turn off. No, I can't. And so I knew that that wasn't it. Wasn't right. She should have been recovering quicker. I wasn't surprised that they wanted to transfer her to our local children's hospital for future monitoring. I was, however, kind of surprised when they told me they were gonna admit her to the ICU. I was like, huh. I think at that moment, God mm. was preparing me for the news that was about to come. When our pediatrician walked in, oh man, I can just see this one. Our pediatrician walked into the ICU on her day um, off because I know her schedule and she always had Sure. I knew that something was wrong. Like mm. your pediatrician doesn't come no. in to see you at the hospital. Like, I yeah, just do it was wrong. She told me the results of the head bops, biopsy were back, and my sweet little nine-month-old baby couldn't recover from anesthesia because she had cancer. Oh. And it was leukemia, to be exact. Mm-hmm. I sat there in that room and knew my life would be forever changed, and mm-hmm. it was. You were by yourself? I I was because I I'd sent my husband home, well to go to work because i'm like there's no reason for both of us this is the nurse part of me right there's no reason for both of us to right but um so a dear friend actually came right then Ah. and sat with me i hadn't asked her to come but she heard that abby was being admitted to the hospital and she came to pray with me so she was there praying with me Mm. and being a comfort to me and then darren got there so God in his incredible faithfulness knew the timing of every detail and provided a friend to hold my hand in that time. Wow. When I and my own, you know, really smart self decided that I didn't need anybody yeah. else. But clearly I did. That's nice. not really a time you want to be alone with but your own thoughts. But of course you
0: didn't know what was coming. No, you I didn't. didn't. Yes.
1: Yeah, so but I mean that God does. Right. Exactly. He absolutely. Does. Yeah. So, yeah. That was news we didn't want to hear, and we were told that Abby was going to stay in the hospital for four to six weeks. Now, that, I mean, Uh, if you've ever spent one day in the hospital, it just sucks every bit of energy you have. I was in the hospital with my son for about 10 days, and that's about 10 days too much. It was a long, (laughs) a long time. Yeah. So we were told it was going to be four to six weeks. Um, did, Did you just despair at this thought? I I think back to my, like, can-do attitude, I was like, okay, well, I can't, I can't unchange this. Right. So what, what can I do? Right. And I think I went into um, planning, planning mode, survival mode. Yeah. Now, the sadness and depression came, but just not at that, yeah, at that intense moment right then. Yeah. So... But my life was a bit of a whirlwind right then. I had a two-year-old at home. Yeah. My husband's job at that time required a lot of travel. Like I he remember. would be gone like the whole week. So a two-year-old at home, my husband traveled a lot, and now my nine-month-old daughter, who I was still nursing. So like I had to be with her because she had to be in the hospital. Right. So it couldn't be at place two places in once, and I had no idea how everything was going to be taken care of. But a sweet friend came to sit with Abby that night so she wouldn't be alone when I went home to pack a bag so I could stay with Abby at the hospital for those four to six weeks. She brought me a mug of hot cocoa and prayed with me, and I still have that cup of hot cocoa, actually, that mug, not the <laughs> hot cocoa. That's kind of crossing some lines, but okay. My, but my food safety husband would yes. not like the no, hot cocoa That
0: still. would not be okay with him. no.
1: But my friend and I cried together mm. that night, and her heart has been knit to mine forever because mm. she cared for me in a very very kind way that night. I love the practicality of that,
0: like just coming to the hospital uh, and praying with you. Yes. It doesn't seem like it's
1: that amazing, but it sounds like it was a huge thing for you. No, and she stayed for a while because she stayed so that Abby would have someone yes, with her, but other people would just come and, and pray right, and, and go and go. Like, not stay very long. Um, I do distinctly remember driving back um, from my house back to the hospital after I had packed my bag. And I think that might be the first time it started to sink in because tears were coming down my face. And Mm. I remember crying out to the Lord that he would heal Abby and use her life as a means by which other would come to know God better. I don't know why I never really asked, why does Abby have the cancer question, I knew the circumstances weren't going to change. I just, Mm -hmm. I knew it. But my attitude about them was in my control. So the funny thing is, and I think you were actually a part of this, I don't remember, but earlier that month, we'd been given a challenge by the women's ministry at our church Mm -hmm. to find one thing to praise God for every day and write it down in a place of prominence. Mm -hmm. I think it was called a monthly morsel, if I remember right. Yes, it was. We were to seek to thank God for something daily. I know people who planned that had no idea what was going to happen in my life either, but God knew. He knew that I was going to go through this time in my life and provided that challenge ahead of time. Another friend asked what she could do, and I knew that she had a fully stocked homeschooling room, and I asked her to deliver some poster boards and markers. Shortly thereafter, the praise board was born. <laughs> each day, I would write something to be thankful for. Some days it was easier than others. Some days it was downright hard. Mm. But each day I wrote something and began to see how God was daily meeting my needs. Do you still have those boards? I do. Good. Under I, my bed. Yep. I wondered. I figured you did or took a picture of them because. Well, what I did a, both. I what a great thing to go back and remember. Yeah, and it's one of those things. Like sometimes I feel like I should put them back up. Yeah. For a time. Yeah. We'll see. My family actually came every week. They rotated to help stay with Eliana and take mm. care of her because, once again, she you know—she she was two, she, yep. and that was yep. helpful. And, and my, it would be better for her to be in her own home Yes, for
0: that long a time rather than be carted off to different people's houses, which yeah. sometimes that's what you have to do. Right. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but it just, in this case, God provided for her to stay home.
1: Yes, yeah. And then my aunt, back to the one that prayed for me, you know, at the beginning of my walk with God, she knew that my time in God's Word and being around God's people would be a great encouragement to me. Mm. So she came down every Wednesday to the hospital to stay with Abby so that I could go to Bible study and spend of the morning with Eliana, because mm-hmm. I really didn't get to see Eliana all that yeah. much. And I had to trust God a lot with her upbringing because I yeah. wasn't around her that much. So that was a huge blessing to me, and my husband's job gave him all the local work that they could, so he wasn't traveling. So kind, and our church family cooked meals upon meals upon meals for my family. Because I don't know about you, but my husband, delightful in many ways, not a huge cook. So if he had to cook seven days a week for my family, we would have been on top of working, and taking care of Eliana, you know, and just all the things that getting to the hospital to see us. So yes, meals were a huge deal. Um, And so, Darren would actually bring the leftovers to me at the hospital, and those were some of the best leftovers, some very tasty, tasty things. Yeah, I don't think I want to eat hospital food for four to six weeks. Yeah, no, you get tired after it. (laughs) Yeah. Day three. Yes. (laughs) And the other, like, some people would come and clean our house for us, and these were people that, like, normally would even hire, like, they don't clean their own houses, Yeah. but they came and cleaned my house, Mm. which was really very sweet. Um, some women for church came to sit with Abby so that Darren and I could get a date night every once in a while, which was mm. really sweet. Because oh. Darren and I needed to connect yes. too, because we weren't sleeping in the same nope. location. Nope. Um, I was at the hospital and he was at home. they were 24 7. And you can only have so much connection on a phone call. Yeah. Like, there's only so much And that this can was do. before Zoom and FaceTime. Yes. Right? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Back to the old days, right? Yes. So, about one month of doing that, so almost, I don't know two, three weeks in, I don't remember, but I had one more thing to thank God for. I found out I was pregnant. What? Yes, I know. You may think that this would make the whirlwind and the craziest even crazier, but it was exactly the opposite. I had something beautiful growing inside of me and I was very thankful for that little baby. Mm. So at the end of the proposed four four to six week hospital stay, we found out that Abby's cancer was not gone. And that she would need a second round of chemotherapy plus radiation plus a bone marrow transplant. So I just knew that we were looking forward to a lot more. And our four to six weeks that they told us at the beginning turned into 10 weeks straight. So two and a half months of me living in the hospital. That's a long time. Yes. To say I was tired of being inside Toledo's Children's Hospital is putting it. Mildly. Even if it was a great place. It it was a great place. And still some of those nurses I'm in contact with and they're great people, but um yeah. And we're talking sixteen years later. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Isn't that weird? Sixteen years. So crazy. It was really hard. It was just long, long, long days. Yes. And when Abby went through radiation, she actually had to be transported by an ambulance to us next door nearby hospital. Get intubated, go through anesthesia, because uh, you have to lay still for radiation when she's a baby. Do, right? right. You can't ask a she was one almost one at the point in time. So she yes. went through that five days a week and then she'd be home in the hospital. I called the hospital home. That's how, that's how <laughs> <Wow. it was. laughs> yes. So she had to do that. And it was really, really hard. It was incredibly difficult watching her vomit all the time and have mm. GI distress from her chemo. It was hard to stay in the same hospital room for weeks upon weeks. The first day we were allowed to go outside because she wasn't even allowed out of the hospital wing because her immune system was so, so de- deficient yeah.
0: or depleted.
1: I don't know. So we were wow. actually allowed to go outside, for, physically outside, physically outside, like just out in the front of the hospital. There's yeah. like this little grassy area. We were allowed to go out there, and it was cold, but man, it was the first time she'd had sun on her face in Aww. almost two months. And it was just such a sweet blessing. And we had Eliana with us. So it was our little family outside. And I'm sure all the people driving by had no No idea. idea. But it was just that slight bit of normalcy going outside with your babies, right? Right. So God was continuing to teach me in all these difficult times to focus on him Hmm. and the beauty and the goodness in the little things all around me. I read and repeated to myself very frequently Psalm 63, which says, Because thy loving kindness is better than life, mm. my lips will praise thee. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, under God's care, mm. I will sing for joy.
0: What a great verse to cling to. Yes. We, I often bring up that every guest I have, I ask them, what are the... Um, What are the nuggets, the truth nuggets you hold on to? And this sounds like your
1: truth nugget. I have a few, (laughs) but that is certainly one of them, that in God's care, we can find joy. It's not saying that things are easy, but there are things to be joyful about. And God's hand was definitely upholding me. He was meeting each and every need in the moment, not Mm. necessarily ahead. So I could say, oh, look, it's all taken care of. But like in the moment, it was always met and taken care of. If I looked too far into the future, it was way easy to get overwhelmed. I had a two year old. I had right. a baby at the hospital that I had sick. no idea what was going to go on, who was very sick. And oh, yeah, I was pregnant. So, yes. like, I. It wow. Was, if I looked ahead, it was easy to get overwhelmed. But God was holding me in the safe comfort of his wings. and that place, with him in complete control of every very crazy circumstance, I could find things to hmm. be joyful about. So, Just a side note, Abigail actually means a father's joy. And she was so aptly named, Mm -hmm. which, yeah. She almost was a Rebecca, which is, (laughs) I tease you about, but she ended up being an Abigail and that was God's perfect plan too. Through 90% of her chemo treatments, her radiation, her bone marrow transplant, and months and months and months in her hospital, she maintained a smile and a cheerful disposition. I had multiple people actually said she was the Walmart greeter of the hospital wing because <laughs> she would stand in the door in her little Johnny Jump Up jumper and wave to people and oh. smile and greet them. She was just, she was wow. well loved by many, many people. I actually have a Christmas picture taken just before she was diagnosed so she had cancer she had all the bumps on her head the snotty nose was actually part of her cancer thing okay. not really an ear infection um and we just didn't know she had cancer so she is sick in this picture and she had a very huge, sick very sick huge smile on her face
0: Aww.
1: her sister on the other hand <laughs> completely healthy had had one of those, like, I'm two and I need a nap yep. and a snack. Yep, I but know. But she it. was super crabby and fussy. So in the picture, like, Ellie, you can see like little streams of where the tears were. Tears were. were and and like, not as red, red. Nose is red, yes. <laughs> and Abby's like, doo doo. Oh. Yeah. So oh. the Christmas card reminds me that in Christ, we yeah. can learn to be content whatever our circumstances. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. Wow. Quite the story. Yes. So far. It, well, yes, because as you know, it, it gets a little bit crazier. Yes. So about um, when Abby turned almost one, we had a brief two weeks at home. So after 10 weeks in the hospital, two weeks at home and then we had to go up to Ann Arbor for her to get a bone marrow transplant, which I'm super thankful that Ann Arbor is only 45 minutes from, from where, where we, we live from yeah. where we live. So that was it was convenient to be that close. Um, I wasn't sure, you know, they tell you it's going to be six weeks, but I just experienced four to six weeks turning into 10 weeks. So I wasn't really sure if six weeks was going to be six weeks for that bone marrow or if we were going to be there for a while. But which is good that you knew that
0: because in my list making world, I like to have things structured. So it's very easy to get caught in someone giving you a time frame. but God gave you the ability to see this may be longer. Yes. Or it may look different.
1: Yes, that's true. That's it, and it as always, things always look different yeah, than we yeah. plan. I mean, I think it should be a yearly practice where you look through your planner and be right. like, "Oh, well, that none of that happened. And, right, like exactly. Twenty twenty. No, none, yeah, well, none yeah, of that happened. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yep. So, I was really thankful that um, God answered our prayers and. Abby actually had a 10 out of 10 bone marrow match and it was from cold blood from a baby in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where we used to live too. So I love Grand Rapids even more now. So, But those two weeks that we got at home, they were just lovely. I was out of that first trimester of pregnancy where you feel a little pukey. So I was in that beautiful second trimester where you feel good. I was home. I was under a roof with both of my children and my husband. We celebrated Easter. Our anniversary and Abby's birthday all at home around our own kitchen mm. table. And those two weeks were such a delightful time of refreshing. And mm-hmm. it is the one time I usually make my kids birthday cakes. But this year, given all those circumstances, we bought a birthday cake. And, mm. oh, man, it was, it was good, <laughs> oh, super tasty. It was a very yummy wow. birthday cake.
0: I love the little, um, the little pause God gave you in the middle of all this.
1: I don't. I, he just knew I needed a time yeah. of refreshing. I think if I would have gone up straight to Ann Arbor, well, I needed the time of refreshing. Yes. That's just what it is. I yeah. needed it. Um, because when we went up to Ann Arbor, I went into the room for Abby, and it was the smallest, most white-walled room I have ever seen. Oh, my. It was like a glorified closet. It was, it was wow. so... I don't think they even put patients in this room anymore. It was so small. If it had padding, it could have been like a place that you could put people so that they don't harm themselves. Right, but like, right. It was, it was crazy. Ugh. So I was in Ann Arbor, which is 45 minutes away from my husband, my daughter, my friends, which isn't super far, but it it's also well, not right there. Yeah, it's not like you can stop and visit you. I couldn't, no. It's harder to stop and visit somebody quickly if it's not in your town. Correct. Right. Um, I didn't get to see Eliana all that often, and I had... Abby to take care of. And she was adorable and super happy most of the time. But, you know, she's one. She's not all that great at conversation. Right, right. So the feeling of being alone was very real at that moment in time. The white walls of the hospital made the loneliness seem all that more. I spent the first night crying myself to sleep. And mm-hmm. I um, bought an AeroBread with me because at that point in time, there was no um, like bed for the parent to sleep oh. on. Oh it was a long time. So I had an Aero bed that I would put on the floor, and that Aero bed took up almost all that room. There's all, it was crazy. But I just laid on that Aero bed, and cried, mm. and I tried to hide the tears as the nurses came in and hung yet another drug for Abby. Um, it was really hard, and I'm pretty sure the nurses knew what was absolutely going on, but yeah. they were gracious and let me have my moment. I knew that I couldn't spend the next month just wallowing and being sad all the time. I had a little girl fighting for survival. I had another little girl, well, I didn't know she was a girl, but I had another little baby growing inside of me and another little girl at home who needed to see her mama. So God, once again, had prepared me for exactly what I needed ahead of time. The time at Toledo Hospital had actually prepared me. I knew that surviving the time would require me to seek out things to be joyful. About. It would require me to seek the Lord for my Mm. needs. It would require me to rest in the shadow of His almighty wings. Another friend brought me another piece of poster board and I wrote Psalm 103 on it, which Mm. actually our church just memorized, and I had a leg up on this one because I worked on memorizing it as I sat in that hospital room. And my soul was incredibly blessed through it. What a great passage to memorize. It is. There are a few passages. Um, a f- friend on Facebook actually asked, what are passages that you would say memorize? And I'm like, everyone that came to my mind are things that I have memorized in my life at various times. And like that got Trials me and guides. Through it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Mm. Who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things. I'm mouthing the words over here because <laughs> I, just, I memorized it too, so. Yeah. And so did my kids, which yeah. is really cute. Yep. So I would sit there and remember all that God had done for me so far, and it caused my tears of sorrows to mix with tears of rejoicing. Wasn't that I stopped crying and that I was not sad, but it was a mixed, like I had joy. yeah, And it gave me strength to endure another day and hope to see what God would do in the future. Well, you know, it's interesting you share that because that is such a
0: really great practical thing to do. I am sure there are women listening right now who are going through a trial. Yeah, It may not be the same trial as you, but it's a trial. It might be some kind of difficulty with work or a situation with their husband or another child issue. Um, and what a great thing to do is to take that verse and to hold on to it, memorize it, because that's how we meditate on it, and replay it in our brains so we're not replaying the sorrow always. I'm right. not saying we get rid of the sorrow, but just the
1: fact that we can rejoice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And find things to be joyful about. Yes. Things. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and God was gracious to me during those long days and weeks in Ann Arbor. He knew I needed some adult-type people. I know moms with young kids, we sometimes you just need adult-type people yes. to talk to. Um, and so every week, some people came to visit me. And don't underestimate the importance of being present in the lives of other believers. I think 2020 taught us that a little yes. bit as well. Like, we need people. Yeah, We, we, we do. really, really do. People would come to visit me and literally prayed me through some long and tiring days, hmm. which was praise God. Yes, Something. and I remember some people were just super goofy and laughter is yeah. a good. It is a good thing, and so even the ability to come and put right. a smile on my face was yes a good thing. And some friends of our family gave Darren and Eliana a place to stay, so on the weekend they would come and they were like. i don't know 20 minutes outside of inn arbor and so that they could come to the hospital and then go back and stay the night there and they had a crib from their kids and so like it was just they were very very kind and it Mm. was a huge blessing to us i know i
0: love to hear all these little pieces because it shows god's sovereignty in hand in all of this yes all of this like he he orchestrated all these things for you and provided for you all the way along.
1: Yes. That almost and brings
0: like, me to tears thinking about it, honestly.
1: So, yes. Yeah. And it was like, I think as your kids get older, you see it more. But at this point, I saw it like the ability to have your family together Yeah, is just sweet. Which makes me think about heaven when yeah. God's family is together. Yes. Like Amen. how amazing that will be. So when Darren and, <clears throat> when Darren and Eliana were able to come, I was able to have my family together. And that was blessing to me and our pastor from our church would come at least once a week and they would pray for us and um, one of them was really good at getting a smile out of Abby which wasn't super hard but it was just fun to see them interact with each other and one friend prayed that I would feel the presence of the Lord as I never had and that I would have an intimacy with him as I never before experienced, and I did and God Mm. faithfully answered her prayers so Abby got her bone marrow transplant, which I thought was this big thing. And seriously, it's like thirty minutes, and it's really? like an IV inject. It was even as a nurse, I didn't understand how like it's not even surgery. I'm oh I'm,
0: wow, I, just, I would not have known that ever. I imagined it would have been like a six-hour-long yeah. process
1: with lots of special doctors and no, no, nope. lots of like double-checking to make sure you're doing sure. the right thing. But well, it's, that's good. It was way <laughs> less imagining like drama, way less drama. So after Abby got her transplant, she developed a really nasty complication from the chemotherapy called VSD. Mm. And her belly looked nine months pregnant. Like she had this huge belly and it was pushing on her diaphragm, which is that muscle that helps you breathe, right? Yeah. And so it was making it really, really hard to help her breathe. And she ended up in the ICU needing continuous high flow oxygen. And every day the doctors would come in and talk about her needing to be intubated. And like, I am an ICU nurse, that's like my background. And so this was my world realm. Yeah. And so it was, it was kind of a mixed blessing for me because in some ways, like I knew too much about yes. what was going on and the complications, but I also felt very comfortable there yeah. because, because I, I, that right. world I knew. But Abby was very sick and this is really the time that she stopped smiling.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, she just laid on limp in your arms and her IV pole had so many IVs running at it on the same time. It took two people to get her out of the crib. Now remember, she's like one year old. Like yeah. a tiny it took two people to get her out of the right, crib. Thirty pounds or something. Oh, she was not even, even that. She yeah. was yeah, she was tiny. So in the world of nursing it was a one on one. So one nurse took care of just her, that's how sick mm. she was. Like that nurse didn't have time to care for anybody else. Anybody else. She was so so busy, but that's where it was an odd blessing for me because Darren came um, to stay at the Ronald McDonald House, and for the first time in months, I actually felt comfortable enough because oh. because it was a one-on-one. Yeah, like somebody was watching her all the time. That I could go and sleep at the Ronald McDonald House with my husband, and outside of those two weeks, I hadn't slept in my same, same bed. bed with my husband for wow. a really long time. Wow! And I remember it rained that night, and I hadn't heard rain. Oh! Because and so I opened the window and just listened to the rain. Because when you're in the hospital, you can't hear like,
0: anything. It, you don't know anything outside. No, it, no you hear windows, the
1: fans, and the IVs beeping and yeah. the monitors. Like and so it yeah. was this is the delightful sound of rain. Of rain. Um, but it was hard because we knew that if Abby's bone marrow didn't start to kick in and if her abdomen didn't go down, she wasn't going to live. Like You don't end up in the ICU as a one-on-one if you're healthy, right? Right. And it was a real- right.
0: She severely sick. Little yeah. Grow. And
1: It was scary. Darren and I prayed um, that Abby would get this experimental drug, um, which the doctor said was her chance at survival. The doctor actually said it was unlikely to be approved by the hospital on board quickly enough for Abby to get it. Wow. Like, he's like, don't get your hopes up. We sat down and we prayed. We asked other people to pray. And we went for dinner at the Ronald McDonald House, which they had some amazing meals. <laughs> I just. <laughs> well, that's a surprise blessing then. Well, it was because some of the restaurants in Ann Arbor, which is like a oh. foodie town, yes. would provide meals for the Ronald McDonald. Oh. Like Zingerman's Roadhouse did one night. Oh. Yeah. So I don't remember what we were eating that night, but it was in dinner and we got a phone call and it was the hospital board had, they'd worked over for Abby and they gotten the drug approved. And I think- Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. So Darren like literally left his dinner, like this beautiful dinner. I think it was from Zingerman's that night. And um, we like rushed across the street to the hospital and Abby got the drug like two hours later, like it was was fast. Um, And the next day, Abby was a whole new baby. Her belly had gone down. Oh, wow. She smiled again. Um, Her bone marrow started to work. And life was on a definite upswing, right? God had graciously answered our prayers in a really dark hour. Mm. And two weeks later, we actually went home. Wow, praise God. I I know. And I thought um, it was Memorial Day weekend that we went home. And she had all these like medical things. and I don't think if I wasn't a nurse, I don't think they would have let me go home. Ah. Because there was all these things that needed to happen. And they're like, oh, you know how to do it. Just go. Right. <laughs> Just go right. home. And right. I was happy to go. Yeah. But if I thought I was busy with two kids under two, this was even busier. Yes. So I had two kids under two and I was pregnant. And I didn't make it to many of my um, well, visits, but no, I can see why. <laughs> I just, just did it. I had to take Abby up to Ann Arbor for follow up visits sure. every week, and she had tons of medicine that I had to give her, and she didn't like them. Ah. I was taking care of Eliana again, which I really hadn't spent a lot of time with her, right? right. So there was like that adjustment period sure, again. Sure. So one day I was giving Abby a bath, and I noticed a head bump again. And I thought, oh no, and I said to myself, Okay. It's just a bump, but I knew that it was there and I knew what it meant. The doctors in Ann Arbor wanted another head biopsy. And so as I was on my way home, I called the surgeon who had done the first one and he got us in that day. Nice. And he, Yeah, which, you know, it's hard to get into it a is. surgeon that it day. Is. He looked at the, the bump and thought, oh, that's a little bit deeper because he's a plastic surgeon. I, I want you to go see a neuro, neurosurgeon. Okay. So, and then that neurosurgeon saw us the same day. You are kidding. Yeah. Because usually it's like three, six months out. Right. And they were talking about two specialists with less than an hour notice. And that is truly God's hand at work and them just being very gracious to me. Yes. So, two days later, we're back at the hospital where she had a biopsy under general anesthesia. And then the waiting started because you have to wait for results, right? Sure. Yeah. The doctors had told me that it could be anything. That the bump was not the same as the ones, and not to jump to conclusions. Which it's so easy to do, right? But yes. just to not you jump. didn't Google, no googling. No. On I know, and I I have you given other maybe. people that just, just don't go on Google. Yes, right. <laughs> not that you can't look for information, but sometimes you can get caught up on it. Yes, and I thought back onto Psalm 103 mm. that God is compassionate and loving. And later that week, I was driving up to Ann Arbor, um, and my cell phone rang. It was Abby's oncologist telling me that her cancer was back, oh. and my heart absolutely sank. I went into the hospital um, to meet with the doctor, and they could tell us um, not much. That because her bone marrow was so fresh, they couldn't really do Anything, because it would kill off her bone marrow, and you can't live without your bone marrow. Right. So they could do a little bit of chemotherapy, but they couldn't do anything really strong. And they said uh. it wasn't, it wasn't looking good. I called my husband to meet me up in Ann Arbor, and we laid together, holding each other in this bed. And Abby had to get a, a blood transfusion, and we just cried. And it was, it was a rough day. I knew then she wouldn't live. Um, but I chose to fight for every moment Mm -hmm. that we would have with her. We left that hospital that afternoon and next to the hospital in Ann Arbor, there's an arboretum and they had all these beautiful flowers blooming and we stopped to take the Mm -hmm. pictures. They weren't roses, but we literally stopped to smell the flowers. Mm -hmm. I still have those pictures. Abby was so full of life and full of smiles and just enjoyed playing with the flowers. She didn't know She was actively dying. I mean, in some ways, we all are actively dying. Yes. But she was really actively dying. And she was just smiling and full of life. And God gave us a really beautiful time with her. Wow. That afternoon. Hmm. And so for the next month, I spent much of my time back in the hospital in the same room as the first 10 weeks. The day I walked back into that room, I just cried. A dear friend of mine who was also a cancer mom knew how hard it was to walk back into that room and just gave me a huge hug. There's something very real about walking back into a a room that was really hard. Yes. And her giving me a hug was just like God wrapping his arms around me through another woman. Mm. Mm. He was comforting comforting me through an older mom who got it. I don't remember if she said anything or I don't, I really don't remember if she said anything or if she just didn't say anything and gave me a word and she gave me a hug and we just cried. Mm. So that month, Abby went through more chemo and more radiation. And eventually the doctors came in and told me there was nothing more they could do. It was oh. a funny little story, <laughs> Abby was playing with my husband's wallet at the time and kept handing the doctor money. Oh, jeez. <laughs> We made some joke. This is about like if we keep paying you, will you give us right, a right? Well, there's nice to have some humor, I guess. You, I, you, you have to laugh, laugh at something. At some things, but there were a lot of tears. We had exhausted every experimental drug, every regimen, everything modern medicine could do, and Abby' cancer kept coming back, stronger and faster. So we decided um, to take Abby home on hospice. Wow yeah wow it was hard and you know i'm sure you knew like i prayed for her healing of course anyone would pray for your child's healing right and darren prayed and our church prayed and everybody prayed and yet she was dying yeah so darren and i um decided to take her to church on sunday because we'd not been able to worship together as a family since her diagnosis okay so so that's how long um Like six and a half months. Yeah, that's a long time. And we hadn't been together in church. And that was really important to us. And so we, I mean, Abby was in a, um, what are those things called? Strollers. Sorry, the word just totally went out of my brain. She sat in the stroller the whole time, but we were there together. And we sang hymns of thankfulness. We were prayed for. We were encouraged. And I knew that Abby wasn't likely going to live long. Um, And actually, the next day, Abby went to heaven right after Mm. that Sunday. She left her body of death, and she's now dancing in the presence of the Lord, free from cancer and free from pain. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, I just, um, I think this is particularly hard because I just had a friend whose child died of cancer, too. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) And so it just... I think maybe you needed to go back to the beginning of the issue of tissue warning. I know. I should have. We needed
0: tissues in our little I'm studio here. So I don't know what I'm
1: doing. All oh. right. Well, all right. Hold on. <laughs> uh, okay. So, yeah. Um, the night, the day that Abby died, I cleaned her up, you know, performing the post care that I'd done so many times as a nurse. And I did that for my daughter. Hmm. And I carried her out of the house um, to the end of the car because end of the driveway because the funeral director had come. Mm-hmm. And he brought a bright red sports car. Really? Yes, and I loved it. I don't know, I, this is one of This I is was. what he brought to take her? Yes. Okay, and this is like other people would be like, "Why did you bring that thing?" And for me, I'm like, "Man, she gets to ride out in a fun right. car, where, you know. Elijah That's got true. his chariot; she right. got a, a red GTO." Okay, <laughs> so well, everybody has their thing, right? <laughs> but I met um, a friend of mine who is pregnant, very pregnant, just like me. We we're due at the exact same time, and she met me at the end of the driveway and um, held Abby with me. So you have two pregnant women. Holding a baby at the end of the driveway, and again, people were driving past and had no, going to the grocery store. Yep, dropping yep. off their stuff at the post office. No idea. Yeah. And I guess you just don't know what other is going on in other yeah. people's lives, and treat people kindly. So, yep. um, we cried and held each other, and then we put Abby in the red GTO, and um, yeah. Um, it was hard. My husband and I dealt. Very differently with the grief and pain. I cried a lot, and um, and he he spent months in grieving. It's just mm. different. Yep, and it's okay. People it grieve differently. It, it is, <laughs> and that's another time to be gracious with people. Um, God did remind me of something I had heard a long time ago at the church. Darren and I actually met with met at and Elizabeth Elliot. I had seen her speak there. And she had talked about how she dealt with the murder of her husband and caring for a toddler when she was living in a jungle in a third world country. And she said that God's goodness to her was to just do the next thing. Hmm. And what a blessing those words were to me then. And they continue to me in a lot of my life. Just sometimes all you can do is do the next thing. Yep.
0: That's a great principle. No matter if you're in like a trial like you've gone through or you just
1: daily life are dealing with little kids or you've got a job that's busy do the next thing and I love it yes don't get all focused on 15 minutes 15 years ahead just what yeah and so that time I just kind of floated through I had to prepare for Abby's burial and memorial service Darren and Ellie and I took a vacation up to my parents for a much needed time of refreshing up to the lake house um I think I just kind of floated through those last two months of my pregnancy, and God had continually reminded me of His goodness. The way He provided for all of our physical needs, as well as my spiritual ones, hugs and prayers and scriptures, and even true joy in the midst of a very difficult time. I had experienced His presence like never before. That's how someone prayed. Yes, it was. And in the midst of Abby's death, He had thoughtfully provided growing life in my belly. I had two months to reconnect with Eliana, and then my daughter Raylan was born, um, and I call her my little ray of sunshine. <laughs> God knew that my arms would be empty, and mm. that a little newborn would bring me amazing comfort. Mm. Ray filled our arms. She yeah. gave me work, yeah, so that I had something physically to do, and my mind was occupied. The presence of Eliana and Ray kept me going day to day, and is. God continued um, to comfort and heal my heart. There were some really hard days, days when I had to consciously train my mind to think on things that were true and worthy of praise and not to let my thoughts wander off into the what-if land. Right. That's really easy to do. I had to remind myself over and over again that Ray was exhibiting none of Abby's symptoms. Yeah, I can see how that would be so... Oh, that was hard. That would just drive you to fear. It was really like- Because you knew
0: that it could, I mean, you knew what was coming, could come.
1: Well, and Abby started with an ear infection. Yeah. Like how many kids- That's just normal. Right. And I was thankful that my pediatrician got that, like she had taken care of Abby as well. And so when I went for my nine month visit with Ray, that was when Abby was diagnosed. Right. And so when I walked out of the healthy nine month visit with a healthy baby, she knew that that visit was really Hard. Yes. For me. Yes. It was. It was really.
0: Probably it, it was a. I'm guessing it was a mix of emotions because it was a reminder of what had happened, but also joy that your child, Raylan, was fine. Yes. So yep, that's exactly. Weird. That's weird to have mixed emotions. So a
1: lot of mixed emotions and a yeah. lot of things. Yes. It, yes. It, yeah. it was. Yeah. And the day that um, Ray was officially older than Abby was also mm. a hard day, or the day that she outgrew all the clothes Abby would ever where mm. I had to remind myself many times that to wish Abby back here with me was a desire for her to be back into the world of sin and pain and to wish her out of the glory and beauty mm. and joy that she was experiencing. experiencing. Yep. You know there's still days that are hard, days when I get a good cry and remember Abby's sweet smile. I remind myself of God's goodness through those circumstances, the close fellowship I had with the Lord and the many answered prayers I saw during that time. Mm-hmm. God healed her not in the way I intended, but in a much better and eternal way. Wow, what a, what a story. Wow, that's just, I don't even know how to start or what to
0: even say, <laughs> Julie, that's crazy.
1: It is, God was really yeah. faithful, and I'm, it's given yeah. me a lot of <clears throat> compassion and understanding for what, what people
0: go through. Yeah, one of the things that I heard you talk often about is how you might have had this severely big, I would call it a tragedy, Happening right in front of you, and people were doing normal life around you. And I love that you reminded us that we don't know what's going on in someone's life. They might be going through a big tragedy, and we see them at the grocery store. Right. Or we're doing our normal thing. I just think that's great to remember, to have compassion, to have love for people, you know, and to to walk alongside them in those things. Um, One thing that I think also is really cool with what you shared is whoever prayed for you that you would feel God's presence. And you did. Yeah. God answered that prayer for that person, and you felt it even stronger. God is always with us um, if we're a believer. He knows the trials we're going through. He He's sovereign over those situations. And he is always faithful to us, even when we are not faithful to him. Yes. So where have you seen God? This is almost a dumb question after you <laughs> just told me that story. But where do you see God being faithful to you in your life?
1: Oh, so yeah. I could, like, talk for hours about the whole story with Abby because I actually, like, there's many, many more stories and instances hey. of God just working things out. But God actually gave me another life circumstance to further cement his faithfulness to me. Like, I feel like if I don't believe in God's faithfulness, huh. I, I, I don't know what would cause me right. to do. Um, So I was pregnant with my sixth, sixth? I can't say that word. Six. My, my number six child. There you go. Um, and so I had a... M- okay, wait. That's like when you have a... When Spelling word. Right. You just go
0: look for a new word because you're like, I can't spell that. I'm so, just okay. going to
1: change it. Yeah, totally. You just rephrase it. Yep. Right. So I was pregnant with my number six child. Um, and I was in my second semest- trimester. Semester? Man. Now we're school into school again. <laughs> um, and I... Was had just finished up nursing my son Isaac a few months before, and I was in the shower and I felt a lump, and I thought, eh, it's just probably a clogged milk duct. Sure. No big deal. I let it go for a few days, and it didn't get any better, but I had like my well visit, prenatal visit, so I was at my OB, and she's like, ah, eh, let's get an ultrasound to be sure. So I had an ultrasound, and I was slightly surprised when the doctor said, um, we want to do a biopsy. Oh, no. Yeah, and so that was surprising. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, like needle biopsy, like we've done that in the ICU, like a tiny little needle, yeah. aspirate a little fluid, we're done, yeah, yeah, no, that's not what a breast needle biopsy is. I, It's like a dentist drill noise and it's numbing. Oh, it is oh. way, <laughs> oh. sorry for everybody cringing at the thought, but yeah. yeah. When you hear people say they have a breast biopsy, it's not super pleasant. It's extra kind to them, right? Yes. Yeah. You don't know what they're going through. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I had um, four biopsies done on a Thursday, unexpectedly. I didn't know that was going to happen. And because I'm a nurse, I knew I wouldn't have any results over the weekend, but I wasn't really all that worried about it. I had no real cause to be. There's multiple reasons for breast sure. lumps. And I assumed oh, they'd call me on Monday and it would be some benign Right. nothing to do. On Monday night, my OB called and left a message for me to call her back on her personal phone on her personal phone. So this is kind of like your pediatrician walking into the SU on her day off. You know if they're like calling you at right. night and saying, Call me back on my personal phone that it's probably not, not good. Not what you want to hear. Um, so she told me that all four biopsies had come back positive for cancer. Wow. Yeah. So I'm pregnant with breast cancer. Um, to say oh my. my husband and I were shocked is putting it mildly. Hmm. I was 27 weeks pregnant and had breast cancer. And once again, my life was in a whirlwind of doctor's appointments. And this time I was pregnant and I had four kids at home, eight and under. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So it's, I think they were eight, five, three, I don't remember, you can figure it out.
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> one of those things. Regardless, that's a, a lot of children under eight to be caring for. That means you are busy all day when yes, you're doing that. We,
1: yes. and, and now you
0: have to go to appointments.
1: Yes, and all, yeah. And I I did not know how I was gonna do it. I had no idea what the future hold, but I did remember a few things. God got mm. me through everything with Abby. Like mm. every crazy circumstance there, he got me through it. And I knew that God promised in his word to work all things for my good. Amen. I had no idea how this was for my good, but I forced myself to repeat those words to myself over and over again to black out the words of doubt and of fear. I thank God for the ways he had always been faithful to me in my past. And I prayed that he would continue to help me keep my mind trained on things that were true and lovely and worthy Mm -hmm. of praise. And I prayed that he would heal me. So, spoiler alert, I'm still here. I was was healed, right? Yes. It's because, yeah. So my first round of doctor's appointments, everybody told me things I really didn't want to hear. The radiologist said I would need radiation, and I was well aware of how hard that was because of when Abby went through right. it, I saw her go through it, and I knew how hard that was. The surgeon s- suggested a complete right mastectomy, so complete removal of my right breast, and to wow. do it while I was pregnant. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I've it's never a, heard of anything like this before. <laughs> a major surgery while you're pregnant. Yes. Yeah. And the oncologist said I would need to start chemotherapy two weeks after giving birth. Like, what else do you want to do right after having a baby Uh, but start chemotherapy? Obviously, they couldn't do that when you were pregnant. They actually can. That's crazy. So the option was I could start chemotherapy while pregnant or do surgery. And I thought there would be less of a risk with the baby Having a one time surgery. surgery instead of chemotherapy. Okay. well, that does make sense, but wow. That's but, crazy. Yeah. So, when the mom's life literally, when the mom's life is at risk, you gotta do yep. something. Yep, something. And that does make sense, yeah. So, yeah. But because I was starting chemotherapy, I wasn't, they told me I wasn't gonna be able to nurse my baby. And for some reason, that last one, um, not uh-huh. being able to nurse my baby, was the hardest one. Hmm. I felt like my ability to mother my child was being ripped away from me. Well, there was there's some tenderness I know not all women can breastfeed but there was some tenderness sure. with bonding bonding with my kids yeah. and to be able to do it for all of my kids and not the last one was so disappointing I didn't want to hear it I really <laughs> it was one of those that you just want to like put your yeah. hands and go la, 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 yeah. la, la. like I you can't I mean you can't live that way but that's what I wanted to do I came home that afternoon to a quiet house because my lovely aunt had taken all my kids away knowing God that God bless her. Yes, I probably needed some alone time and I cried and cried and cried like to the point where my pillow was just soaked. Mm. And I just cried out to God and I cried until there like nothing left. Mm. Nothing. And then I just fell asleep because of pure of exhaustion. I yeah. was just tired. And when I woke up, I was reminded of Lamentations 3 again, yes. which is, you know, back to Eliana when she was born. Yep. God's compassions never fail. Amen. They're new every morning. He is faithful. Great yep. is his faithfulness.
2: Amen.
1: And maybe I started singing that in my own head louder than my own tears, like I yep. used to do with her. Um, God's mercies are new every morning. And my husband came in and prayed with me and for me and I was reminded of God's faithfulness to me. And I knew it and I trusted it would continue to be so. And so the, from the very beginning of this cancer journey, my own cancer journey, I recognized that my ultimate healing would have to come from God. Psalm 139 says that all the days of our lives are ordained for us and written in his book before there was one of them. Yep. God knows the number of the days <clears> that I'm to live. My cancer diagnosis didn't change that number of days. It's not a surprise to God. It was not a surprise to God. surprised me, but not to God. (laughs) I actually opted not to find out my survival rate or my chances as I was thinking one of two things would happen. I would either um, find out that my chances were not good and just get discouraged, or I would find out my chances were great and not rely on God. Mm, That was wise. So for my own brain, I thought, you know what? It's just gonna be better for me not to know and I opted to place my trust in God's healing and leave the statistical chances out. So, and I followed God's direction in James 5 for the sick to call on the elders of the church for them to pray and be anointed with oil. And so they came and did that shortly before my mastectomy and it was really a blessed evening and I'm thankful for them for doing that. Hmm. Um so I went in to surgery thinking that I just had a lump and it was contained and they would do sure, let's Quick and easy. Quick and easy. Um, but afterwards, I found out that some of my lymph nodes were actually positive and that the mm. tumor was bigger than they thought. So, now, I'm not medical, but I do know that when it's
0: cancerous in your lymph nodes, it is not good. Yeah. that's It's not good. <laughs> that's, you don't that's want it spreading. Good. Non-medical <laughs> yes. way to say it. No, it's that's, not good. It's not good.
1: So um, you're right, it wasn't. And I spent a few days at the hospital just in pain. Mm. <laughs> I was not allowed to drive. I had drains coming out. I had, um, you know, a pregnant belly. like yes. I was, Which is uncomfortable. To, to, uncomfortable. Yeah. And I had a huge wound. And you know when you're pregnant and you're, like, getting further in your pregnancy, there's no comfortable way to sleep? Yep. So now meld that with a huge surgical wound. Yes. There was just no – I could not – Get comfortable. And I also wanted to be mindful of what drugs I took because I was pregnant. Yes.
2: yeah. And then I wow. wasn't allowed
1: to take a shower because I had these drains in. Oh, <laughs> that right there. Yeah. Um. So, and I wasn't allowed to drive. And so not driving and not washing my hair were probably the hardest ones because I'm one of those people, like, the first thing I do in the morning, I wash my hair. Yep. It makes me, like, wake up. Sure. Um. And I'm really thankful. I had a lot of helping hands friends and family like drove me to get my hair washed at the salon and sweetly um one neighbor saw me there and paid for me to get my hair washed without me knowing like Aww. it's the best five dollars ever spent when you can't wash your hair go to a yeah. salon and spend five dollars and they'll shampoo you yes it was totally worth it so thank you to. Mello. so you were allowed to wash your hair i just couldn't get in the shower right got it got it got it but okay. like i also had no like well it's not it's not, you got little kids, it's hard to do your own hair. I get it, totally, I understand And there now. was, yeah. you know, surgical wounds. It was just, yeah. I went to the slime every... Um, so once again, people brought meals and cleaned my house and mm. took care of my kids and loved on my whole family. Mm. Um, and I slowly began to recover. It was a process. And three and a half, very long weeks later, my drains came out and I was allowed to take a shower. Three and a half weeks later? Of am no shower. Oh my. Three and a half. Okay, so the funny thing is, in God's like, loving provision, the first day, the first time I was allowed to take a shower, we actually had a women's retreat at church and we were staying in a hotel. Oh. And so I went into the hotel room and took a shower now in your own house you run out of hot water right
2: yeah hotel
1: no i think i was in that shower for a full hour just like (laughs) uh, like, people knocking on
0: the door are you okay okay?" yeah
1: okay i'm sure the hotel was like who's the crazy
0: person showering for an hour
1: straight yeah well it was me i i thank god for the hilton that night yeah stay there um it was really another one of those times of refreshing like that moment where It was just, it was really good. And so the next month was filled with my typical high-risk pregnancy appointments because I I have that clotting disorder and so I usually have to have all these non-stress tests and all that, but this time I'm even more high-risk because now I also have cancer. Yes. The doctors decided that I needed to be induced early and start chemo 10 days. So I was induced at 37 weeks. Okay. And then I started chemotherapy 10 days later. Wow. So the day I went to the hospital to have my son, I really mixed emotions, right? I'm excited to hold a baby. Yep. But, you know, his birth brought this whole, like, unanswered question. What kind of baby is he going to be? How am I going to tolerate chemo? How am I going to handle chemo for kids and a newborn baby? Right. That's like, crazy. Like, how, how am I going to do that? Um, and the Sunday they had played the song, of oh, Father, You Are Sovereign. Mm-hmm. and. Thankfully, one of the people I said, Hey, can you get me a recording of the band playing that? And mm-hmm. one of the guys at church got it for me, and I put it on repeat mm-hmm. on my phone, and I played it over and over and over again. And the third stanza says, Oh, Father, you are sovereign, the Lord of human pain, mm-hmm. transmuting earthly sorrows to gold of heavenly gain, all evil overruling as none but conquerors could. Your love pursues its purpose, our soul's eternal good. Mm. You have to be proud of me. I didn't sing that. Uh, well, you, know. you could have. It would have been okay. <laughs> but, but for our listeners, they probably would prefer. That's okay. right. Well. Um, but I, I love to sing. So I, but I sang that over and over and over again, and I just reminded myself that God was in control of my pain and that His love was pursuing my soul's eternal good. Like mm. this, all has a point. Yep. It's not pointless. I love that you use that. A song I have many times in my life when I've gone through trials although my
0: trials do not even pair compared to yours they're just different but they're different trials and I can think of multiple songs that had scripture or had truth that has truth in it all over yeah. it what you just read or you could have sang but it's full <laughs> of truth and yeah. that is such a great thing to do is to take a verse or a, a song and put it on repeat
1: yeah and I think I really the hymns that are old even if they're redone modernized yeah There's just such great truth truth in there. There There is. Um, Yeah. So I sang that over and over and and over again. And Elijah was kind of born to that running Mm -hmm. in my head. Um, And he was a great baby. Despite undergoing anesthesia when I went through surgery and he was born early, he Mm. was perfectly healthy. Mm, Praise God. And a happy Content baby, my second easiest baby he was just hmm. delightful. I actually, isn't that God's goodness to you? Yes, it absolutely was. He, yeah, the only thing he didn't do in his life—he never learned to walk on time. He was a very late walker. Oh, because he was held all the, all time. the time. Yeah, this is what happens. It's, yes. it was because he's the baby of a larger yep. family, right? Um, I did actually choose to nurse Elijah. For the one week I was able to. Mm. Um, partly to give him the colostrum that's so sure. healthy for a baby. And then for me to have some sweet moments with him. Because I didn't know what was going to go mm-hmm. on. And I thought that um, nursing him only on one side would be torture. Because some of my kids were... Nursing tur- can be torture. Yes, it can be. And it can be really, really, really pay- painful. But Elijah was the first child I nursed who had a good latch for the beginning. Mm, there's he, God's goodness and again. And once again, he was early. So... Yep. It was just, God was so gracious. And then my church friends and family provided, donated breast milk for Elijah. Um, Hmm. A number of people from our church, my friends, nurses at my pediatrician's office, they donated milk. And so I prayed that God would find a way for him to be breastfed for six months. But the first time I had to buy formula for him, he was 10 months old. Wow. It was just God's crazy... Provision. Yes. And so he was almost exclusively breastfed for his whole first year of life, even though, and I'm not saying that like all kids have to be breastfed. That was just something no. that was important to me. Right. And, and God, it was a disappointment at the beginning yes. when you found that you could, found out you couldn't and how
0: God provided even in yeah. addition. Right. It was it like was an just extra, extra an cherry extra on, the, on the cake. Yeah.
1: I have a, um, a picture of all the women with their children mm. that pumped and donated milk. And I have a, a card of all the women. Nice. Of, Praise yeah. God. They they loved my child well. Yep. So um when Elijah was ten days old, Darren and I walked into the cancer center for my first treatment. Like I'm you know, postpartum, your first ten days are not pretty. No. You're <laughs> a go in the gate. I can't off. even fit in my pants. No, no. <laughs> no. I'm I'm wearing my pregnancy pants yep. and, yeah, and you just was, don't want to wear those anymore, but yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, and it was yeah. And Elijah slept on my lap while I received my first dose of highly nasty chemotherapy. And so began the next two months. I went for chemo every two weeks. The first week was pretty exhausted and had no desire to eat. And the next week I would be forced, forcing myself to eat. Mm -hmm. And then it would just repeat. The chemotherapy is cumulative. So each week it kind of gets a little worse. Uh. And so I got more exhausted and felt less like eating. Things were weird, like eggs tasted like soap. Like I could oh. not, I, yeah, it, would, it was kind of gross. Um, after the second treatment, my second round of chemo, my hair started to fall out in, in clumps. Hmm. So I knew that I could either watch it slowly fall out and like be all be all over, or yep. I could kind of make it fun for my family because I had a whole bunch of little girls and so yeah. I let them play salon and I gave oh, them yeah, real scissors and <laughs> let them cut my hair and it was really funny to me, their different personalities come out because I have one that's kind of a little OCD and she was like trying to make it all even oh. which is hysterical because we were like cutting it off. It's all going to come out, right? But she was having fun um, and I let every one of my kids who could hold scissors cut my hair and their enjoyment of giving mommy a haircut gave me joy in what could have been a very hard yeah. moment. And I think I remember seeing some pictures of yes, this. Because at the very end, so I have pictures of them cutting my hair, and then my husband shaved off what mm-hmm. was left. Because as you can imagine, like, you know, a bunch of little kids could me- be... some help with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it needed a little touch-up. Um, and so my husband shaved off what was left, and it mm-hmm. was very sweet of him. So my very last treatment of the very nasty chemo drugs was right before Christmas. Um, And God provided for us as well. I was in really no condition to do shopping and wrapping. You know, Christmas is just really busy. But the hospital staff had actually adopted us and they provided amazing presents for my whole family that came wrapped and delivered to my door. Wow! It was such—I mean, literally—that Christmas, I made breakfast casserole and laid on the sofa and watched my kids open presents. Like I—and you were just as surprised as they were. I was. was, They were. It was delightful. (laughs) Yes. It was. Yes. It was so God's graciousness, and the kids were super excited. They had so many fun things. We had all these Polly Pockets, and they were just their joy at it. They—it was a delightful morning. Yeah, it was just a delightful time. So I, I finished that up, and everybody said, oh, you're through the hard stuff. You're moving under radiation. Most people tolerate that. It'll be way easier. Um, one dear friend, however, had told me that radiation had really difficult for her, and she got through it by praying through the alphabet. And I thought, oh. Praying through the alphabet. Yes. So this is like A, you, you put like A would be for Anne. B would right. be for you, Brown. You like you go through the okay alphabet. And so you pray a different thing for each letter of That's the alphabet interesting. It's okay. a great way to keep your mind focused in yes. prayer. Cause I don't know about you, but I can. Oh yeah. Prone to wander. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and then write the sermon that I went, that I listened to right before radiation, the Sunday before our pastor had said there was no, nothing greater than our master. So if mm-hmm. Christ had fought and suffered, then we would as well. He said that, um, God would not leave us alone in our suffering and that it would all be okay. Like, mm. we would suffer, but in the end, it, it will be okay. And he didn't mean it would be okay on earth. No. Right. No. He's referencing heaven. Right. And that back to Romans 8, all yep. things work together for good. Yep. That doesn't mean, like, good for the moment, but right. good in the end. Like, to have hope that yeah. like you can lose the battle but win the war yes. kind of concept. Yes, yes. Um, so I went into radiation, not totally knowing what to to expect a little bit, but I was totally taken by surprise. The nurse walked me back into a room, and I immediately recognized it and the room that they wanted me to do radiation in for the next five and a half weeks was the same room that Abby had had her radiation in, and so oh. I just had this immediate, overwhelming, like emotional. Understanding more of everything that she had gone through and how she was what likely scared and yeah, and you're it, an adult, you can talk through things. Yeah, and it like it just was this immediate, and I, I yeah. So I had that going on. Plus, I'm claustrophobic, and oh. so the radiation machine comes like inches away from your body, and so I'm like, I can, I cannot lay on this table, like I I I cannot, but I, yet yeah, I knew that. I had to, right? So I said to the nurse, okay, I have to go to the bathroom. Can you give me five minutes? She said, oh, sure, no problem. So I ran out to the bathroom and I sent a quick text to a friend that I knew would pray for me mm-hmm. and would ask others to pray for me as well. And I used said, pray, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, it was a hard, um, so I took some deep breaths like I'm going to right now. Yes. <laughs> And I told myself over and over again, God is with me, it'll be okay. God is with me, it will be okay. So I went back in and I started to pray through the alphabet for other people. I quoted scripture to myself. I reminded myself that God not only was hearing my prayers for comfort and deliverance, but others were praying for me as well. Hmm. And for 20 minutes, with tears streaming down my face, I was able to stay on the table. Praise God. Then the nurse was like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I made it. I made it through. I walked away thankful that by the grace of God, I made it through my first day. And I was overwhelmed at the reality that I had 28 more days to go. And I knew that I, if I was going to make it through radiation, I was going to have to do what was in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like use what was there. Because when you're going through radiation, you're in a room by yourself. And you can't have anything else in there with you. Like, you can't have your phone playing music. Like, I think they pipe through music now, but back then they didn't. Um, So I knew it had to be all in my brain. Right. So um, I chose to pray through the alphabet for different people. And I came up with some fun alliterations because sometimes things just make me smile. And that's good for me, too. Okay, good. Um, I prayed for the Browns baby. So Brown baby. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I love it. Not not the baby would-be Brown. Right. (laughs) Their last name is Brown. Um, I actively memorized Psalm 139 to give my mind something to meditate on. Um, Yeah, and sometimes when you set about to memorize things, you don't think about the way that it'll apply to your life. Like, you don't say, I'm going to memorize this, and this is how it's going to apply. Like, you start memorizing it, and then you you see. see, Yep. um, But it would say, You know, when I lay down or when I get up, my God is with me. And so I would lay down on Mm -hmm. the radiation table and it'll say your right hand is upon me. And like they would do stuff to the right side of my body. Mm -hmm. And it just, it it really ministered to me. Mm -hmm. So day by day, the treatments continued and day by day, I made it through one day at a time. And three weeks into radiation, I got some pretty nasty radiation burns. So I was getting through by claustrophobia and I was starting to relax under the machine. But now the reality is every time I laid down, those burns that I had <sighs> would get worse. Like usually when you have a sunburn, you don't like go out and spend another day in the no. sun, right, like you no, cover you let up. You heal. Right, so I could not do that healing process. I had to continue to go and get more radiation. And that was really hard. And my burn kept getting worse and worse. Mm. And it was very emotionally and physically painful. I truly had to talk myself into going every day. Like, Mm. it was... And you went in every day? Monday through Friday. And then I would have Saturday and Sunday off for five and a half weeks straight. Oh, my
0: goodness. Wow. That's
1: a lot. Yeah. I actually had a countdown in my head of when I would be finished, right? Like I would have done that. yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, totally had. Um... And one of my friends, there's a song from Lameis called One More Day. <coughs> she and I, the last day she sent me a poem where she, nice. it was, yeah, it was very kind of her. Um, and by the time I was done with radiation, I was missing most of the skin on my whole upper chest and my armpit. Um, it made simple tasks like holding my son different, different, difficult and oh, different. Both. F- <laughs> um, but God was gracious. My husband was able to take some time off of work and care for the kids. The nurses at the hospital figured out a different type of bandage that provided me some pain relief and helped the healing. Hmm. And slowly but surely, my skin healed. It took... Which is amazing that skin does that. But I know, it's just like that; it can grow and. How like long it's... did it take? Oh, a oh, oh, long um, time. A long, like, yeah, like a, at least a month. Yeah. I was glad though because by the end of the summer, by the summertime, it had grown back enough that I could put on a rash guard and go out and be with my kids at the pool and in the water, because we spend a lot of time Time at the water in the summer. So, you know, it was just timing wise, it worked out that I was able to still do summer stuff with my kids. But yeah. Okay.
0: So Julie, after going through all of these, I mean, you've had, oh, wow. Crazy situations, a lot of, a lot of challenge. You've got cancer in multiple situations in your life. A lot of things, I mean, you just told us this whole story, all these ins and outs. Did oh, you, crazy. how did you stay at peace with these situations? I mean, I think I would be like, I I know people get angry at God. Did yeah. you ever get angry at God? Did you ever like, you know, shake your fist in anger because you were mad about what he was
1: doing? So honestly, I don't remember being truly mad at God in either of Abby's cancer or mine. With both of those, I just had a really deep sadness and, mm. and grief. But I had very angry words at God um, when I found out I was pregnant on the OR table for my reconstruction. Like, I was on the table to have reconstruction, and I found out I was pregnant again. And that time, I, did, I really dealt with some anger. It was supposed to be the end of my cancer journey. Like, everything was supposed to be wrapped up. I was going to have my surgery get one more, um, it's not really chemo, but chemo treatment, and then I was gonna be done. So like the final thing. But instead, I left the hospital without getting my surgery, and I had to go straight to the OB for my high-risk ultrasound. So straight to maternal fetal medicine, which if you've ever had a maternal fetal medicine ultrasound, they're not like 30 minutes, they're like and Long, They're long, long haul. Um, so they confirmed that the baby had a heartbeat And told me that the pregnancy was very medically risky for me and that the baby had been exposed both to radiation from an MRI I had preparing for surgery and to some chemotherapy. Oh, no. Oh, my. Yeah. So once again, I'm like, uh, what? Yeah. (laughs) And I, I don't know why this one threw me more than the others and why I was so angry, but I was really angry, and I had to work through all the motions of an unwanted and medically contraindicated pregnancy,
2: hmm.
1: which gives me a lot of compassion for people who find themselves with unwanted pregnancies because yeah. I've been there, and it's it's hard. It's really hard. Um, it took me multiple weeks and a lot of tears to work through being mad. Um, I actually at that time I, I made an appointment to go see a Christian counselor.
2: Hmm. I never
1: actually got there. I never actually got there, but <laughs> even the thought of just going brought me brought me comfort. Be like able to talk through to be, some of it talk through some yeah. of it with people. Well, we've talked before on
0: on the podcast that there is a time and a place for a biblical counselor. Yes. Someone who's going to speak, but Truth. Needs, you you need to be careful. We've talked about that who you talk with.
1: Well, I think because yeah.
0: just any counselor doesn't always
1: give you Good advice. Good advice. So, yeah. But it was sometimes you, you just need to talk to somebody. Yeah. Um, and so as I was working through these emotions and about the time I began to accept that I was pregnant. Yeah. When I, this would be number seven. Yes. Yeah. Um, I had a miscarriage. Hmm. And so then I was getting over being mad. And then I was partly sad and I was horribly guilty because mm-hmm. I never wanted the pregnancy to start with to start yeah. with and so I was horribly guilty and then you know you have a miscarriage and so you have all these hormones yeah so you have all that going on mixed with hormones and it it was a time yeah it's definitely a time I like how that's that's the way you describe that it was a
0: time there's not even adjectives to describe it it was just a time <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> that's it, enough there were lots of emotions yeah yeah so so what do you do with all those emotions
1: Okay, so emotions themselves, they're not bad things, right? God himself has emotions like love and anger. But the difference between him and us humans is that he never sinned in his emotions. Right. And I don't know about you, but I, you know, occasionally have been known to sin in oh, my, yeah. like, anger yeah. with you my You don't kids. know about me. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Julie. Yeah. You do, do, you do
0: know way. about me, yes. I definitely am a sinning, <laughs> emotional yeah. person. All right,
1: well, everybody is. Yeah. That, that's, everybody that's is. That's right. And sometimes, like, we can love something more than God, and that itself is sin, right? Like, it doesn't doesn't have to be, like, the nasty anger sin. It can even be loving somebody or something more than God. Yeah. So in the middle of a trial, I guess my first thing is always to be honest in your emotions with God. Because Mm -hmm. He understands, and He's all-knowing. So He really does know all your feelings, and you can't hide them from God. So it's good to be honest before God and bring your emotions to Him. In Psalm 42, King David's soul, he was in deep anguish. And he says, my tears have been my food day and mm. night. And I, I mean, those times when I cried in my pillow, like I can just, I, I get, that's weirdly, totally relate. Yes, I totally, yes. And David poured his despair out to God. But at the end of the Psalm, he writes, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God so david took those anguished tears and chose to place his hope in god and to start praising the almighty so i guess my short answer would be to be honest to god about your emotions be purposeful to turn to god in them and train yourself to see truth beauty and joy in all situations and don't stay stuck in the negative emotions work Mm. on your heart and your emotions will follow Mm. because out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks
0: Yeah, that's interesting because you, as you shared your story, you kind of told us how you did those without telling us that you did those. Like I remember you talking about how you were in the small room with Abby and it was a very small room in Ann Arbor.
1: Yeah.
0: And you had sorrow, great, great grief, and you were discouraged. But then you knew being in that small room, you had to switch it. So you purposed. I love that you purposed. And then, you know, making lists of things to be thankful for. Yeah. That's a great anecdote You shared that with us to get out of those e- emotions. It doesn't mean that your emotions are bad. It's just how we deal with them.
1: And I think it's it's really important to not just like push them to the side and don't acknowledge them. Yeah. Like, sh- right. you've got to say like, yes, this is really, really hard. Yeah. But I'm also going to choose to find the joy. Yeah. And sometimes, I don't know if this has been like you, but sometimes
0: I'm not even sure what to name my emotions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And I don't really know what they are called and sometimes it takes me some time to figure that out when I'm in a difficult thing. Yes, And talking to my husband or talking to a friend sometimes helps me because they'll go, well, what I think you've got is this. You, you're dealing with a lot of grief or you've got this and that's helpful too because yeah. it's
1: hard to melt. It's like a big melting pot. Well, you I, know? I think often emotions are blended like there's yes. more than one thing yeah. going on. Okay, what about your kids and your husband? Did they have emotions? Oh, no, nobody has emotions at my house. Did you you hear? I have teenage girls in my house. We've we've got got the emotions. Um, And I feel like some of them can have all the emotions in in 10 minutes. Yes. All full swing. Yeah. Yeah. So helping them deal with emotions. um, Yeah. I I like how you paused. (laughs) Well, I was just thinking of this analogy. Like, um, you don't want your emotions to rule you. Yep. So there, I, I don't remember where this came from. So who, like somebody might be like, "Oh, this is from that book." It probably is. Okay. I don't, I don't know, <laughs> but there is um, a horse. It's your, your emotions, and you can run a wild stallion, like be Mm. at a wild stallion and that stallion will run you and you're not. Or you can be riding the horse and directing it and directing your emotions and Mm. your emotions are strong like a horse and you can have self-control over them or you can let them run you Mm. and take you where they want to go. That's a great analogy. So I don't know where that came from, but anyways. Um, So I've taught, told my kids that one, and we've always been very truthful with our kids about life and death and trying to point our kids to god Mm. um when abby died we told eliana about heaven we didn't say she went to sleep right i told her she died um, and that she went to heaven and all the glory that abby is experiencing she's no pain no suffering no sorrows and even at a really young age kids can understand no Mm -hmm. pain right and we still have conversations about abby with our kids and when someone asks me how many kids I have, some of my little ones who never were alive, even Abby, would be like, Mommy, no, you have six kids. Remember, right. there's Abby in heaven. Right. So they'll correct me when sometimes I do say I have five kids because I just don't right. want to get into the... Right. It's a story. It's a story. It's, it's, a, story. Today. <laughs> it's a story. Yeah. Mm. Um, and with my cancer, same thing. We talked to our kids early on about how I was sick and I needed to have medicine to help me heal, but that it may not work. Mm. Um, Darren talked about God's goodness in all things and even hard things and they prayed that we would all trust God in the midst of hard things and mm. he preached a sermon out of Habakkuk during that time too. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, So just a funny one about emotions, um, I was crying in my room one day, actually it was Eliana's room, after Abby died and Eliana, she was about three at this point in time, asked me why I was crying and I said Oh, Mommy's heart hurts and she looks at me with all the seriousness like that a 3-year-old can muster and she said "Mosquito bites." <laughs> <laughs> I thought um, I didn't know mosquito bites were like that hard but you know what in retrospect now she gets these huge welts from wow. mosquito. So maybe, right. you know. Was... And when you're little, they do bother you, don't they? Yes. They are irritating. Yeah. So
0: Okay, so I am sure that there is somebody out there listening today who may not be going through this trial, but might have someone else in their life going through a trial. Um, Like we said earlier, it really doesn't matter what the trial looks like. Yeah, they're all different. Yeah. And, but we probably can think of women that we know or men who are going through trials, families. So what are some of the best ways that people came alongside of you? Because this is, this is really helpful to know,
1: is it, you know, what should we do on the other side? I mentioned a bunch of these earlier, but I would say visiting me when I was alone in the hospital or just being with me, they um, didn't have to have any amazing words to say, but the presence of people around was really important to me. Hmm. You can communicate a lot without saying a word, hmm. and people didn't have to stay long. Just yeah. the presence was good. Um, and would you have say
0: would you say that this would be somebody you already had a relationship with to yeah. visit you? Yeah, and for sure.
1: And you don't want to just visit somebody that you sort of know. No, but yeah. it, is, it, it was really nice to see people yeah. when you're isolated. Um, sending text messages is great, mm-hmm. especially people that, didn't, um, that knew that I couldn't always respond. Right. But there was one woman who um, sent me a card every week after Abby died, and I, I never once responded to her cards, but I did tell her in person, thank mm-hmm. you so much for, so just also people knowing that um, they may not respond. That doesn't right. mean it's not a blessing right. to them because they're just going through a lot yeah that might be one of our things um small little gifts like a hot cocoa mug poster for writing praises fun earrings when i was bald someone gave me mm. um gift cards for food and coffee bright red lipstick oh, fun yeah and then of course the more practical things like watching my kids making it possible for darren and i to get out and connect cleaning my house and meals, I'm fairly positive that I hold the distinction of being the person with the most cooked meals for anyone in my church. And I'm pretty sure no one's vying to beat me. No.
0: <laughs> you, want no. A,
1: you want a trophy for that? Is yeah, that I'm want? not really sure what. I'm, I a banner to hang in your living room. Like one of those Miss America Yes, dresses. that's what you need. I'll wear it every Sunday. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. What
0: advice would you give to someone who's going through a trial right now? You know, maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's something very different. Maybe it's an unfaithful spouse. Maybe it's a big job change, a financial hardship, or they have to move across country. I mean, those are all challenges and trials people have. What would you encourage them
1: to do? Like if I said, give me your list. Um, I know you like lists. I do, I do like lists. And I think some of them, I would, one would be definitely be in God's word. Yeah. Um, And this would, for me, not be a time to like study the MITRE profits. Okay, yes. (laughs) Like I would, um, read some encouraging psalms. Read Philippians. Read Philippians them. or Ephesians or yep. like some of those Romans even. I know it's yep. really yep. heavy at times, but it's also a super encouraging book. So be in God's word. Be praying.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Listen to encouraging godly music. I Music runs through my head all yeah. the time. I always have music. Um, but if it's really encouraging godly music, that's always been a huge help to keep my mind yeah. From wandering into the depths of despair, like Anna Green Gables yes. would say. Like, just keep, keep even, in mind.
0: You even said it like her. Well,
1: yes. Yeah. <laughs> you can't say that in any other yeah. way, right? Um, I would make sure you go to church or some kind of connection to be with other believers. Like, it was a huge blessing for me to be able to go to Bible study mm. when Abby was in the hospital. Like, yep. having other women pray for me. Your lifeline, so to speak. Yes. Um, yeah. And talk with people. When I had my last pregnancy and I was really struggling, I talked to people and there was yes. a woman in the church who has multiple kids and I didn't even know this about her, but she um, wrote me a note about how she, the last pregnancy was mm. not really wanted for her either. And mm. You always think, oh, you have like so many kids, like you just right. want them all, but she really struggled with wanting to be
0: done. Mm-hmm. I, always, I always think in, in any Bible study I've ever been in, any time I've ever talked with women, how important it is to be open yes I mean maybe not so open that you share all the details of your conversation with your kids or your husband but to be able to talk to someone is so important I think that is something that happens when you find out you have so many commonalities
1: well and I think we tend to think that we're the only people struggling yes. in this way and the reality is and you there's isolate nothing new under the sun yep. if you are struggling with it somebody else is struggling with it too And yep. anytime you're honest you usually are talking with you'll find somebody that is dealing with the same thing and you yeah. can mutually encourage each other.
0: Okay, so Julie, some people might say that as a Christian, you will never deal with challenges or trials. You know, like, you know, our life is supposed to be wonderful and everything will be great and mm. we'll be free. You know, like you hear the word free often in the Christian world. Yeah. So what does the Bible actually say about trials? Yeah. I've actually even heard people say
1: that trials are God's punishment. Um Right. So, so. <laughs> there are multiple places in the Bible where it talks about how we are not going to be greater than Jesus. And if he suffered, which you know, he did, he was murdered yes. on a cross, then we will suffer as well. John sixteen thirty three says pretty directly in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. Mm-hmm. One specific spot that encourages me in suffering is 1 Peter 5. I actually love all of the book of 1 Peter, mm-hmm. but 1 Peter 5 says, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, Mm -hmm. strengthen, and establish you. I love that verse because it lets you know that suffering will happen. It's to be expected in this life. It's going to happen, right? But also that the suffering is time limited. And God will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish us through it. He's at work in and through all of our suffering. Mm. Amen.
0: I agree with you on all of that. I think it's really good, though, to be reminded, to be reminded of God's love to us through trials, that he actually loves us and and gives us trials and they make us grow. And they do. Yep. Okay. What about some examples of people in the Bible who dealt with great challenges and
1: yet they followed God and obeyed him? Yeah, so can I go with the typical Sunday school answer and say, Jesus? You can. <laughs> it's it a little tricky because, you know, Jesus was God. But in his human life, he still obeyed to the yeah. point of death on the cross. And that yeah. that is significant. Maybe you can give me a few more. Okay, I can. <laughs> so the other one that would jump to mind is the Jewish midwives in Egypt. Oh, yes. When the Jewish people were enslaved, they were told by Pharaoh to kill all the Jewish boys that were born, but to let the girl babies live. Yep. But the midwives, they knew that was wrong. They feared God and didn't put the male children to death, even though Pharaoh questioned them about it. And God blessed them with their own households. And through their obedience, the Jewish people multiplied greatly and were mighty Mm. in Egypt.
0: Yeah, that's a really good one because that is a lot of people. The midwives, it wasn't like necessarily two. It was was a huge amount who trusted God in that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you have to you know, sometimes you just wonder about what like did they sit there yeah. and talk with each other? I was just gonna say they have a like midwife meeting. I don't know, maybe they had like a, a union of midwives. Yeah. Who knows? I don't who knows. I don't know. I guess another example would be Ruth. Um she became a young widow and chose to leave her homeland and travel with her mother in law, Naomi, back to mm. Israel. Um and Ruth was widowed, poor in a foreign country and the only person she knew was her mother in law. Hmm. Which Wow would be hard. Um you know, like when I moved to a new city and knew no one, that was hard that was too, it's, yeah. so it's, it's yep. I can't People can that. relate to Ruth. Yes, exactly. Um, so Ruth chose to make Naomi's God her God. Hmm. She listened to Naomi's advice and went to harvest grain from a distant relative of Naomi's named Boaz. She worked hard to care for and provide for Naomi, which Boaz saw and blessed her for it. He said that she had chosen to seek refuge under God's wing. A Mm. word picture that I've loved ever since Abby, um, that we can sing for joy under the shadow of Mm -hmm. God's wing. So Mm -hmm. Ruth chose to follow God through some very difficult circumstances, and eventually, you know, spoiler alert if you've read the book of Ruth, Ruth marries Boaz, and they have kids, and and then they had kids, and eventually she's in the line of Jesus. And if it's not, and if you haven't read the Book of Ruth, go
0: read the Book of Ruth. Go it's a, a good it's a, time.
1: <laughs> it, it's a, it's you know, it's, it's short. short. It's short. It's an easy book to read, and it reads like a novel. It does. Yeah, I, yeah, it does for sure. Um, so those are just two examples that I could think of. Like, but there's more. There's Noah's obedience and building the ark, and Moses yes. giving up um, the life of a Pharaoh's daughter, giving up the life that he had with Pharaoh's daughter. That's what I wanted to say, to follow God. And he um, became the deliverer mm-hmm. of all the Jews in Egypt, and Jonah was obedient. I mean, he was a little delayed in his obedience yeah. with the whole big fish thing, but he right. was still obedient to telling the people of Nineveh to repent. Mm-hmm. And Daniel was obedient to pray, even though it was against the law. And Ananias was obedient to Saul to tell the truth of Christ, even though Saul was a killer of believers. Right? Yep. Like that and would he be. Could have been fearful for his own life. I, I'm sure he probably was. Like yeah. you know, he was obedient, but. Mm-hmm. it was hard the Bible is full of examples and often obedience is a risk yeah right? if you like a lot of these yeah it wasn't an <laughs> easy right thing to do if you looked at the world's through the world's you know m-
0: microscope you would be like no way we're not doing this I can't do this but when you look through God so you look through the Bible yeah. you can say with God I can do it right a very different yes, perspective
1: very yeah
0: okay one of my favorite things to do I mentioned this earlier is um, to talk about those little chunky verses that we grab, you know? And I know that for me, I... When I, any trial I've ever gone through, I end up with a verse that I love and I just cling to it. And my favorite verses, which I've mentioned on this podcast multiple times, <laughs> are in the book of Philippians chapter four. Mm. I've memorized them. I think I was 12 or 13. I started memorizing them, which I have to say was a good thing because when you memorize when you're young,
1: it sticks, it with, sticks you. with you. Yep.
0: And so I loved them. They, they're the verses that say rejoice in the Lord always. And they talk about not worrying about things. Do not be anxious about right. anything. Right. So what is a verse that you really clung to? You talked a little bit about some of them. Yeah. And what would be one that's important to you? Well,
1: I think it's really funny that you said Philippians 4 7, because Philippians 4 8 is my mind. And I'm sure I said it like multiple times without actually telling yes. you the verse because it just it's goes ingrained it's, in your brain. It is. And I have a journal with it on the front. And it says, finally, whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is of good repute—if if there is excellent or anything worthy of praise dwell on these things and the peace of god will be with you Mm. anytime i'm in a rough situation i start listing those various things and correct my thinking i'll ask is what is true is this true in this situation Mm -hmm. what is excellent what is worthy of praise and as I purpose to set my mind on those things, it's helped me incredibly. Mm-hmm. And I say the same thing to my kids a lot. I'll say, is what you're saying true? Right. Right. <laughs> is it worthy of praise? <laughs> yeah, they're going to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd also say that when I memorized Psalm 103 during Has- Abby's Hospital this day and Psalm 139 during my own radiation, those got me through some really... Dark hours. Um, and they still do, although my memorization is a bit rusty. You know, <laughs> every once in a while I have to go back and brush off those. Right, go but back still there. there. Yep. I love um,
0: the last thing you said because those two passages, 103 and 139 from Psalms, are interesting because they're a whole chapter. Yes. It's not just two or three verses, it's a whole chapter. And it's the whole this chapter. past summer, I memorized the first chapter of James, oh. which I cannot tell you, I wasn't going through a trial. I just had the time and I was trying to be to do something good in the summer and um, I cannot tell you how many times those verses pop back in my head when something is happening. There are so many in that in James they say James is the Proverbs of the New Testament and it's just full of really practical things.
1: I think that's great to to memorize a whole passage. I think I mentioned it earlier too like how sometimes you go about to set off memorizing thing and then later the application happens and you don't think about the application when you're starting to memorize. Right. But when you memorize it, then yep. you see it applying
0: all, all the time. Over. In all over. And, and I don't yeah. know how many times I've heard like a pastor reference it in the sermon without saying James chapter one, but right. just even just natural or someone in conversation. So anyway, I'm just a big proponent now of memorizing a whole passage.
1: Yeah. It's like and the it's next not, step. It's not as intimidating. In some ways, it's actually easier than memorizing mm-hmm. verses here and there. Yes. And I, I love that I can see how it all flows, flows together. Right. That's. Yeah what I think as well. Okay,
0: well, here's just a little secret for our listeners. You probably don't know this. I'm going to tell you a little little secret about this. But when we prepare an episode at Unshaken, I actually kind of write it out because, well, it helps me with editing. That's the truth. I don't have to edit out a whole bunch of extra stuff. We can kind of prepare ahead. I actually think a lot of podcasts are like this, although I think they sound normal and natural like a net na- just a conversation.
1: conversation yeah.
0: um, so I did this with you Julie yes. and then one day I was um, I've been a substitute teacher at my children's school so one day I pulled my laptop out and I sat during the teachers planning period and I began to read through your answers because I wanted to add more questions or you know get clarification and I started to bawl mm. and cry and cry and cry as I listened to it or oh, I didn't listen to it I read it and I actually had to stop in the middle of it because I had kids coming back in the classroom and my eyes were all red. Um, I, I, The truth is I cried tears of sadness, but I also cried tears of joy mm-hmm. as I heard through your story how you pointed to Christ over and over and over. And your story is one that does that. God has given you this story and I think it is a story because you have let God use it to point others to Christ. I just love that. And so I want to thank you for coming on thank and you. You owe me a tissue box.
1: I do. I owe you a tissue box. Yes, yeah, that Deal. was that
0: was a lot of crying that day and I had to stop and come home and cry the next morning when I read it. So
1: Yeah. But it
0: it is always good to hear how God is at work in our lives when we can't see. And we got to see that today. So, thank you for coming on.
1: Yes, and I do think that is the biggest thing to remember is that we don't always see what God's doing and we don't always get it. And sometimes we have eyes. We are given eyes to see and sometimes we're not. But God is always at work. Absolutely. Would you pray for us as we close today? Father God, I thank you so much um, for the way you work in our lives. I Mm. thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you that you are always with us. I thank you that you are near to us and that you work all things to the good of those who love you. Father, I pray that the people listening to this will see You, that they will know You in ways that they don't yet know You, that people will trust in You, and that their hearts will be drawn towards You. And I pray for Julie and I as well, that we will know You in a more deep and intimate way, and that we will glorify You with our lives. Father, I pray that You will be glorified in all things. In Your name, amen. Amen. Hey,
0: do you all love stories like one today? Well, next week on the episode, we are going to hear another woman's story, a story that actually is full of some sadness and heartache, Mm. but actually it's a story of great joy. It sounds a little like yours,
1: Julie. And a little bit like Mary as well.
0: Yes. Yes, this is right. So, hey, join us next week for that. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time. Mm -hmm.